Hello and welcome to Yay Old World, a podcast about words. I am Aditya Mohan and the word that we are going to discuss today is vampire. It is hard to trace the origin of the word vampire. There are several theories as to how it came by, but no one theory is universally accepted. One theory states that the word vampire and its slavic synonyms opiop uper and opir are all derivatives of the turkish word uber which means witch the english term vampire however is believed to have been derived from the french which in turn was derived from the german word vampir which was ultimately derived from serbian vampir almost all cultures across the globe have a creature that feeds on a living beings life essence these creatures are different from the fanged pale creatures that we know today let us look at an excerpt of the book travels which was published in the year 1810 by an anonymous author who was a member of the royal society it is one of the first serious accounts of the word vampire in the english language please keep in mind that this excerpt is long i start quote These vampires are supposed to be the bodies of deceased persons animated by evil spirits which come out of the graves in the night time suck the blood of many of the living and thereby destroy them such a notion will probably be looked upon as fabulous and exploded by many people in england however it is not only countenanced by baron valvasor and many carniolis noblemen gentlemen etc as we were informed but likewise actually embraced by some writers of good authority the director of the gymnasium of essen a person of great erudition has published a dissertation upon them which is extremely learned and curious from whence we shall beg leave to transcribe the following paragraph the vampires which come out of the graves in the night time rush upon people sleeping in their beds suck out all their blood and destroy them they attack men women and children sparing neither age nor sex the people attacked by them complain of suffocation and a great interception of spirits after which they soon expire some of them asked at the point of death what is the matter with them say they suffer in the manner just related from people lately dead or rather the specters of those people upon which their bodies from the description given of them by the sick person being dug out of the graves appear in all parts as in nostrils cheeks breast mouth etc turgid and full of blood the countenances are fresh and ruddy and their nails as well as hair very much grown and though they have been much longer dead than many other bodies which are perfectly putrefied not the least mark of corruption is visible upon them those who are destroyed by them after their death become vampires so that to prevent so spreading an evil it is found requisite to drive a stake through the dead body from whence on this occasion the blood flows as if the person was still alive
Sometimes the body is dug out of the grave and burned to ashes, upon which all disturbances cease. The Hungarians call these specters Pamkri and the Serbians vampires, but the etymon or reason of these names is not known. End quote. Here the author gives a description from a dissertation from the director of a gymnasium. As we can see from the above paragraph that was attested by some of the greatest minds of the time, the superstition of vampires was rampant. According to folklore, vampires were not as pale as they described, but purplish and bloated, often wearing a shroud to cover their face. The shroud would generally be the shroud with which they were buried. When people opened the coffins, they saw that their hairs and nails would have grown, which led people to believe that they had been drinking people's blood. This was attested by the quote by the anonymous author we heard a while back. As a person's flesh shrinks as it dries up, nails and hairs seem to grow, giving rise to these ideas concerning vampires. The logic behind staking corpses into the coffin was so that they could never rise again. They were also buried with sharp objects like sights so that in the case that they grow bloated, these sharp objects would prick them and they would start to deflate or they'll start to bleed out. Let us now look at how different cultures construe their very own demonic entities. We will see that the concept of vampires is almost universal. During the Age of Enlightenment, ironically, the belief of vampires spread rampant from village to village. The panic began with an outbreak of an alleged vampire attack in East Prussia in 1721 and in the Habsburg monarchy from 1725 to 1734, which spread to other localities. Out of these, two infamous vampire cases, the first to be officially recorded, involved the corpses of Peter Blagojevich and Milos Cesar from Serbia. Blagojevich was reported to have died at the age of 62, but allegedly returned after his death, asking his son for food. When the son refused, he was found dead the following day. Blagojevich supposedly returned and attacked some neighbors who died from loss of blood. In the second case, Milos, an ex-soldier turned farmer who allegedly was attacked by a vampire years before, died while haying. After his death, people began to die in the surrounding area and it was widely believed that Milos had returned to prey on the neighbors. Looking at Asia, many cultures have their own unique vampires that wreak havoc. The Japanese Nukekubi is a being whose head and neck detach from its body to fly about seeking human prey at night. Legends of female vampiric beings who can detach parts of their upper body also occur in the Philippines, Malaysia, and Indonesia. There are two main vampire creatures in Philippines, the Tagalog Mandurugo and the Visayan Mananangal. The Mandurugo is a variety of the Aswang that takes the form of an attractive girl by day and develops wings and a long hollow thread-like tongue by night. The tongue is used to suck up blood from a sleeping victim. The 
Manan Nangal is described as being an older beautiful woman capable of severing its upper torso in order to fly into the night with huge bat-like wings and prey on unsuspecting sleeping pregnant women in their homes. They use an elongated proboscis-like tongue to suck fetuses from these pregnant women. They also prefer to eat entrails, especially the heart and the liver, and phlegm of sick people. The Malaysian Penangalan is a woman who obtained her beauty through the active use of black magic or other unnatural means and is most commonly described in local folklore to be a dark or demonic in nature. She is able to detach her fanged head which flies around in the night looking for blood, typically from pregnant women. Malaysians hang jeruju or thistles around the doors and windows of their houses hoping the penangalan would not enter for fear of catching its intestine on the thorns. The layak is a similar being from the Balinese folklore of Indonesia. A kuntilanak or matianak in Indonesia or pontianak or langswir in Malaysia is a woman who died during childbirth and became undead seeking revenge and terrorizing villages. She appears as an attractive woman with long black hair that covers a hole in the back of her neck with which she sucks the blood of children. Filling the hole with her hair would drive her off. Corpses had their mouths filled with glass beads, eggs under each armpit and needles in their palms to prevent them from becoming lankswear. This description would also fit the Sundal Bologs. There are other various folktales in Africa which involve or which feature beings with vampiric abilities. In the West Africa, the Ashanti people tell of the iron-toothed and tree-dwelling Asan Bosan, and the Anivi people tell tales of the Adze, which can take the form of a firefly that hunts children. The Eastern Cape region has the Impundulu, which can take the form of a large taloned bird and can summon thunder and lightning. And the Betsilio people of Madagascar tell of the Ramanga, an outlaw or living vampire who drinks the blood and eats nail clippings of nobles. I would be remiss if I missed the opportunity to discuss the word Dracula, which is almost synonymously used to describe a vampire. The use of the word in connotation that we know today was popularized by Bram Stoker in his novel Dracula. Some scholars suggest that he got the inspiration from Vlad III. Vlad III was the ruler of Wallachia three times from 1448 till his death in the year 1477. He later took on the name Vlad Dracula. In Romanian, the word Dracula meant son of the dragon. Vlad III took his father's sobriquet, which was given to him after his father joined the Order of the Dragon. In modern Romanian, Dracul means the devil, which further exacerbated his ruthlessness. Vlad Dracula is generally known today for his fiendish way of torturing his enemies. His favorite method of execution was to impale people on a wooden stake. He is commonly known as Vlad the Impaler in English. In Romania, he is commonly known as Vlad Tepesh. Tepesh in Romanian means impaler. The next time you go out in the night and see a bat flying in the distance, 
I hope you take a moment to appreciate the fascinating history behind the word vampire. That's it from this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to get in touch with me with any suggestions or requests, please send a mail to yeoldword at gmail.com. I will catch you on the next episode.